welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Good morning, Frank. Kevin, Laddie, how are you? Doing outstanding, Very outstanding. Good, How's Toronto treating you? Uh, it's been good. I mean, aside from uh, major news breaking and the number <laughs> one player on our trade targets board getting traded right in the middle of a team dinner last night, I mean, everything's been great. <laughs> so you're sitting around dinner and the phones start exploding? Yeah, I'm sitting at the bar having an old-fashioned before dinner, and I get a text from someone in Calgary that says something is up. And by the time I can begin making phone calls, mm-hmm. start to see some hint of news out there. And it's uh, that's sort of how it works sometimes. So what do you think of the trade? You know, this is, this is going to sound cliche, but this is my honest opinion. I think this is a win for both sides. Yeah. I think Vancouver gets a piece that they can plug right into their lineup that I think helps vault them from – Stanley Cup contender category into a select group potentially of favorites that can compete. And, you know, look, a lot of people look at the number of pieces in the package and say, hey, well, they gave up a ton to do it. And my answer to that would be it's really no different than some of the other bigger deals that we've seen over the last few years. What's very likely to be a late first-round pick, especially because – The Canucks hit the all-star break at the time this trade is made, tied for the league lead in points. Uh, They give up Andre Kuzmenko, who, yes, had 39 goals and 74 points last year, but the other part of it is he was a square peg in a round hole that was healthy scratched multiple times this year, and they needed to move him out to make the money work. So Kuzmenko was always likely to go. Calgary gets a piece back in Kuzmenko that they can either – potentially build around if they can put him in the right spot. And if not, they could flip him at some point. They get a prospect in Hunter Bruskevich that uh, is certainly worth a try, a conditional fourth-round pick that can become a third, and, you know, another top defenseman. So, like, I'm looking at it going, okay, Vancouver didn't give up their best prospect in LaCara Mackey. The, The Flames get some pieces that may work, may not and you can try with quantity over quality, and let's see how this works out. Hmm. I think it's a win-win for both sides, like you said. Um, Lindholm, obviously, in my opinion, year after year, one of the best two-way sentiments in the league makes, like you said, <laughs> makes mm-hmm. makes Canucks instantly better, and you have to, yeah, you have to be really aware of them. Like, in my opinion, they... There is not really any weaknesses in the, throughout their lineup now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, what? What Flames got Kuzmenko? Yeah, they were, you know, they were always gonna ma- uh, move him. Um, but for me, still, it's very intriguing. Thirty-nine goals last year. You know, uh, they switch switch uh, switch uh, uh, coach. They obviously didn't see eye to eye. You know, different style. For whatever reason, it wasn't clicking. Kuzmenko owned up to it. He said he's struggling. So now he's got a fresh start, and, you know, he might be playing with a chip on his shoulder and trying to prove everybody uh, everybody around the league that, uh, you know, he's still the, the, the same player. And, you know, there is uh, there is some guys you can pair him up with that uh, that could help him. Like, it could work. I, I mentioned it this, mm-hmm. uh, with Huberto on a power yeah. play, you know, uh, or, you know, we put them together, and it could work for both sides. You know, Huberto likes to dish it. Kuzmenko can score. He proved it last year. Hey, Frank, why do you think Kuzmenko fell out of favor with Rick Tockett? 
he has what he calls non-negotiables. <laughs> and part of that is your effort on the forecheck. And the other part is your effort working your way back up the ice. And it, it's yeah. not that Kuzmenko didn't want to work hard. Like, that's not the knock. It's not that he didn't want to try. It's just that he doesn't – Rick Tockett doesn't really care what you do when you have the puck. He only cares what you do when you don't have it to go try and get it back. That's really where he enforces his structure. And Kuzmenko, for whatever reason, just wasn't able to fit into that. And despite multiple attempts, and, and there were a few games where you could see him starting to kind of put it together. Mm-hmm. But then I also think the idea of being a healthy scratch for him for five or seven games this season, you also saw him making some egregious mistakes that I think are probably part of just a, you know, human nature. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want to do when you're a healthy scratch is to go make a mistake. And that's usually when you do it. So, you know, just to circle back on Lindholm and the, and the Canucks, I think the biggest question is who are you going to play him with? And not that that's a problem, but I think what has been clearly demonstrated about Lindholm's game. Yes, he is a responsible two way player, but in order for him to really pile up points and production, he needs to he needs to play with top end players. And so, are the Canucks willing to break up the lotto line in order to do it? And if not, who are you going to put him with to try and drag some of that production out of him that we know from a couple seasons back, forty two goals and eighty two points is clearly there. Frank Saravalli with us, Kevin Carey, Sladislav Schmid on Sports 1440. Uh, yesterday, Frank, there wasn't one person in Calgary who had ever heard the name Hunter Brstavich. Uh What do you know about him? And just a question that he, you know, 69 points in Kitchener this year. How close was he to making the U.S. junior team for the Worlds? Why wasn't he there? And what kind of player can he become? Yeah, I think he was in the mix. Um in terms of what he can become, I think that's largely still to be determined because not many people saw this point explosion coming in Kitchener. And I think a lot of people are pretty, at least from the people I talked to in the last 24 hours, they're not skeptical, but they're more or less saying that what they've seen from Brusevich this to this point in Kitchener this season is probably not a real true indicator of what you could expect from him in his career moving forward. So um, again, I think it's a worthy bet from both sides. Um, The Canucks end up kind of selling high on Bruskevich. The uh, Flames take a flyer and see what he could potentially turn into. And in the meantime, it's one of those feelings probably if you're a general manager like um, you know, when you look at Patrick Alvin and the discussions that probably unfolded, as long as they're not asking for our top guy, we're really willing to be malleable on a lot of other pieces that we have in our system. And so um, I think that part is probably what you're breathing a sigh of relief from mm-hmm. if you're the Canucks. What else was cooking uh, over the dinner table last night, Frank? What else kind of, you know, when you're sitting around with all the guys, uh, a, lot of, a lot of talk, a lot of rumors, a lot of this and that. What, what else is shaking in Toronto? Aside from some story time, which I always enjoy, um, we had a couple longtime NHL defensemen sitting around the table, uh, Rhett Warner, Jason oh. York, uh, a couple yeah. other beauties, and Jay Rosehill and Colby Cohen. So we had a, a quite an eclectic mix of people at our table. And uh, 
So story time is good. A lot of people are curious still what happens on the goalie market. And then the next question is, okay, so the Flames sell off one of their pieces. Who's next and when? And I thought maybe that was the most interesting part of this is the timing. It's kind of pretty rare to go back and and see how many players are traded over the All-Star break. And it's also kind of unusual. I mean, we did have the Bo Horvat trade, and he becomes an Islander. But a couple years in a row, the Canucks are involved in a trade right at the All-Star break for a guy that's on his way to the All-Star game like Lindholm. Now the Flames mm-hmm. don't have any representatives, and um, and now the Canucks have seven. Yeah, <laughs> seven. Wow. It's crazy. <laughs> well, they deserve it. They're playing really good hockey. Um I was going to ask about more about the Flames. Uh, they have still some pieces uh, that they can move. Like, how likely is Hannafin that he's going to be out of the city? Because I heard the rumors mm-hmm. that he might resign. He was interested, but does it make sense for him? Does it make sense for Flames? I, I picture there's going to be a big market for a guy like that now, or Chris Tanev too. He's older, but you know, still there's going to be some market for him as well. Yeah, there was some rumbling last night. Is maybe Tanev part of this deal that went down? I never got an indication that that was the case. I was told no when I asked. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, the market, and, and by the way, I still think the Canucks could use one more defenseman, and Tanev really would have made a lot of sense to go back to Vancouver where he started his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Hannafin... I think that's the one real clear thing that the Flames have to work out between now and the end of the break. Is this guy re-signing or is he not? We've put our cards on the table. We've given him exactly what he wants. We need a yes or no answer. And by the end of this break should be a pretty reasonable time frame in order to get one. That leaves you about a month left to to make some magic happen on the trade market and to really try and extract as much as you can. Mm. I think the market for Tanev, while there's uh, quite a number of teams interested, I I don't see it turning into a bidding war where Mm. all of a sudden you're offering, you know, first late first round picks to get him. I still think that market is, is a second round pick. And, you know, you look moving forward, the flames are, really kind of the team to watch as we, even after trading the number one player on the board, maybe outside of Pittsburgh and what happens with Jake Gensel, Calgary's this is deadline central. They're holding some cards. If you look at their roster, Frank, when the Oilers played them in 2022 in the playoffs, so not that long ago, the roster, when you look at it and what they will have coming up in a month here, there's about five or six players, and that's about it. Uh, What else, Frank, is on the go? By the way, three... Three forty goal scorers traded mm-hmm. from that group. <laughs> yes, um, Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one for the Flames fans. Um, what else is? Are you going to the draft tonight, Frank? How does it work for you here in Toronto? Uh, I will stop by the draft. I'm interested to check it out and see how well hydrated the players are. <laughs> and this whole weekend, I'm most looking forward to skills. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm not a big All Star guy. I, you know, the first one I covered was 2008 in Atlanta, and I've been to every one since. For whatever reason, the weekend usually kind of falls short, but I think there's a real chance this year to have some memorable moments from the skills competition that we talk about for a long time. I think it could be that good. And I think tonight, you know, hopefully the NHL is kind of uh, capitalized on instead of having uh, the solo cups have uh, Yeti or Stanley sponsor the cups for tonight. 
You don't I think mean, so? it feels like sacrilege to have another Stanley Cup. I mean, we all know there's I know. one. But wouldn't they? You can own, but while there's lead in these cups it's, now, it's apparently. It's the one that so. all the moms are carrying around. <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. I, I, I just stopped, stopped uh, kind of watching All Star games yeah. because it's like a circus show <laughs> seriously like I I, I I enjoy it way more when it was just the old school mm-hmm. just the skills and, and the game guys were actually trying on what what was it last year they were playing golf or something so, oh, Jesus Laddie, I was talking to someone uh, at the league last night about this exact topic yeah. and they said well maybe it's not for you yeah meaning yeah, like maybe it's, it's not, not for us maybe it's for kids yeah, and, I guess and, and sponsors. sponsors, and maybe that's enough. C- can you can you balance it a little bit more though? Like uh, I I feel like it's now it's now it's uh, too one sided to one side. You know, like there's I think there's a bigger market than just kids or sponsors. I think there's other people who have been mm. following the league for the longest time. I don't know. I and think those I th- guys then they take the week off too. <laughs> you know? I was gonna say I, I can uh, I'll tell you how you fix the All Star game and and All Star weekend. You make players start caring because guess yeah. what? In the NBA, people love it and watch it because their players are really invested. Too many NHL players treat All-Star Weekend like a joke, mm-hmm. and that's why the product suffers. It's not because the league doesn't care or doesn't want to do anything with it. Hey, Frank, thanks for this. Enjoy Toronto, and uh, hopefully you have a, like a dinner tonight or something like that where, where your phones don't go off. A proper dinner with many much bourbon. The, the flu, bourbon. yeah, the flu dinner, <laughs> <laughs> the liquor dinner. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Have a good weekend, yeah. buddy. Talk Enjoy. to you on Tuesday. See you guys. Thanks. That's Frank Saravalli, Daily Faceoff.